Welcome to the Voice of Conservative Values with Daniel Bobinski of True Idaho News and Uncover DC. Brought to you by conservativesof.com. And now, here's Daniel. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Conservative Values. My name is Daniel Bobinski. And on this show, we talk about issues relating to a Judeo Christian worldview. Uh, which is usually what one consider uh, conservatism. And one of the things we talk about in this show is uh, the fact that I am not the voice of conservative values, even though that's the name of the show. The people who come on this show are, are the voice of conservative values. And we've got an interesting guest today. But before we introduce her, I want to talk a little bit about what happened in the Idaho State House this past spring. We had, as you recall, this little thing called COVID, and there was this thing called mask mandates, especially in our public schools. Some cities endorsed them, and uh, we had people requiring that, that students wear masks and that people wear masks. Well, there was this uh, kerfuffle that happened recently where the lieutenant governor came in, and she passed a executive order. She signed an executive order that said that no government agency or no political subdivision can require masks. And then, of course, the governor came back into town and rescinded her order. And there was a big kerfuffle about that. And it made national news. None of that would have been necessary or would have happened if the Idaho legislature had done its job. Uh, I should say if one specific person in the Idaho legislature had done his job, because back in April, uh, the Idaho House passed uh, House Bill 339, and they passed it with an overwhelming margin. Uh, there was like 47 to 22 on the pass, so it was better than two to one. And that bill would have prohibited mask mandates in the state of Idaho. And of course, that bill then had to go to the Senate when they, were, they would have had to vote on it. And what happened? Well, the chair of the Health and Welfare Committee in the Senate, Senator Fred Martin from District 15, he put it in his drawer and did nothing with it. And when somebody asked him about it, uh, he said, well, we shut down the committee several weeks ago, so we're not hearing any additional bills. That's a direct quote from the AP report on the issue. And I would look at that and say Mr. Fred Martin really doesn't understand his job because his job is to represent the people of the state of Idaho. And, you know, when he shuts down his committee, um, then people have to wear the masks because here was a bill that would have done essentially what the lieutenant governor had done in her executive order. So we've had this mask issue. You've probably heard about it and you've probably been affected by it. And I have in the studio today Mrs. Amy Henry who is a former school teacher, and she is a parent, and she's also the founding one of the founding members of the Nampa Parents for Mask-Free Schools. Amy, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I'm humbled to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my honor to have you here because of what you've done. And so you're a Christian. Um, I've read your bio. You love America. Um, you hold dearly to Judeo-Christian values. And you, like all parents of school-aged children, you've had to deal with this crazy COVID stuff, right? Right, I have. It's been a long year. And so you live in Nampa. Like, like I said, you're, you're the, one of the founders of Nampa Parents for Mask-Free Schools. And because you're a teacher, I think you have a different perspective than many parents. But, you, but I, you, I brought you on the show because you were on the Capitol steps here at the beginning of the month 
talking about the mask issue with Lieutenant Governor, and I heard your presentation. I thought, oh my gosh, I have to have her on the show. So you and your children, uh, based on your speech, you guys really experienced some things that most people should never have to deal with. Your daughter was doing the mask requirement in school. Uh, something happened. You basically said enough. Tell us what happened with that. Okay, so early in March, my 12-year-old daughter um, was harassed and bullied and then assaulted over a three-day period. And the school never contacted me. It wasn't until this the end of this three days that she came home and was um, badly bruised um, that I called the school and found out that she had been um, beaten, beaten up, and had taken three good blows to the head at the end of this three days. But it, it had started off with her being um, ganged up on by three girls. Um, she had had her backpack spit on. She had um, been threatened, like I had said. They had thrown rocks at her. Um, and then at the end of this three days, she had tried to get away from these three girls. They blocked her from getting into the building and um, then cornered her so she couldn't get to the adult for help and then beat her up. And my daughter, unfortunately, is on an IEP. She's already suffered head trauma, um, struggles with her eyes from the head trauma. And the SRO at the school said that she took three of the blows real hard to the head. So this is not um, something that she needs at all. And like I said, the school um, never contacted me. They knew that this was going on. And when I did contact the school, they told me that um, over this period of time, they you always get this excuse that it's a COVID year, give them a break. You know, that's what mm -hmm. I heard all year. It's a COVID year, give us a break. We're doing the best we can. And um, we all know it's a COVID year. All of us families have struggled. It's It's been a rough year. My oldest son lost nine friends to suicide this year. Wow. Due to COVID. But the thing wait, that- wait, wait, go back on that one. You said your, your son's lost nine friends to suicide? Right. Nine friends killed themselves. This is the kind of information that the media is not reporting on. No, they're not reporting that all of the um, hospitals for young adults and juveniles are full and have waiting lists either, but but they are. And this is throughout the country. So anyway, sorry, that's a hard one. Anyway, so the dean of students proceeds to tell me that my daughter is um, how he says, give us a break. You know, how how can we tell who these kids are, who's who? when they have only been here two days a week and they're all wearing masks. And so uh, I was so mad as a parent, I saw red, but as a teacher, it horrified me because all these red flags went off. I'm thinking, we've got a problem here. They don't know who the kids are. And then because, going- Because they're wearing masks. Right, they, they don't know who's who. And I'd already, had been told by my daughter that it was hard to tell if the teachers were upset, if the teachers were angry, if the teachers were happy. You know, they can't see the teachers' faces. And if you talk to too many doctors, they'll tell you that until the kids are about 14, depending on their developmental abilities, they are not able to understand people's reactions and voice inflections until they are about the age of 14. So we are really damaging our kids with these masks. That's a whole nother story. So we had a safety meeting at the school before I'd allow my daughter to go back to school. I needed to know that she was safe. So when you say we had a safety meeting, you had a meeting with the principal? With the vice principal and the counselor. Okay. And in that meeting, I had a whole lot of education questions because there were all these red flags going off. And I wasn't just concerned for my daughter. I was very concerned for all the kids. And mm -hmm. I wanted to know 
what this was all about. How do we not know who's who? How do we not know what's going on? Why are we not allowing kids to get into buildings for safety if they need to be safe? I mean, my daughter was telling me all these things and that all these red flags were popping up. So I had a lot of questions and they answered them for me, thank mm -hmm. goodness. But what I found out through this meeting was that all of these incoming sixth graders that came into this middle school had not had one minute of the normal education our kids would receive on safety protocol for entrance into middle school. Like, where do you go when you feel threatened? Or where do you go when you're scared? Or where is the safe place to go if you feel bullied? Mm -hmm. you, nothing. All of the things we would normally give our incoming sixth graders, not one minute of that education. We could have done that online when they were doing online school. Well, we didn't. To, to compound that, you had students who were, you know, we use the word Karens, right? We, but they were basically acting as as mask Nazis and beating up on these guys. And your own daughter is a victim of that. Right. Um, where they're beating up on kids. So that's amazing that the, the school didn't cover any of that. None of it. They Nothing was done. And again, the answer is always the same. It's a COVID year. Give us a break. Unreal. Unreal. Well, you're now you told me also that um, the principal at your daughter's school had uh, not allowed your daughter to come into school because of some mask, because there was a go, go, fill me in on that. Fill me in. Okay. So after I decided I'd heard all this, so I decided this, it was time I'm taking up this mask battle. We've got to get our kids back to being kids. So um, Southwest District Health passed their unanimous resolution May 4th. And whatever. It, whatever my daughter heard that day, whether it was Commissioner Purdy in her 1776 um, speech, which was one of the most amazing things I've I've heard in a long time, or whether it was her hearing me testify or the other people that testified that day, I don't know what it was, but she came out of her shell and she says, I am not wearing my mask again. And she went back to school that day and she very respectfully told the principal, I'm not wearing my mask again. Hmm. And so he allowed it. So that was a Tuesday. She spent the whole day that day without a mask. And he was so wonderful. He said, I want to make sure that you're safe. So if there are any safety issues, you let me know. And that day was great. Wednesday, the kids are home online. So there wasn't any school on Wednesday. We went to school on Thursday and he met us outside the door and would not allow her in the building without a mask. Hmm. So I wanted to be prepared. I was afraid this might happen, you know, just just to be safe. So I had my America Frontline Doctors legal paperwork that they have on their website, had it all signed and filled out. It's real simple to do. And um, I presented that to him and I made him tell her that she would not be allowed in the building and why. And he did not want to do that, but I made him talk to her directly and tell her that. And we went home. And of course, I made sure that she received her homework. Not all teachers sent her that homework. They didn't want to. They were kind of Hmm. making a stand that that wasn't something they were going to do. So wow. knowing my federal law and um, my education law, I made sure the following day that we approached him again outside the school doors with our American frontline doctor's paperwork again and a little constitutional law that uh, schoolwork would be sent home to her that day, that that was her right to have that. And I did remind him that she was on an IEP and he was not giving her her IEP time that she deserved. And we met him every single day outside those doors, even though he told us that was not necessary. And I said, oh, no, we'll be here every morning. And you will have to tell her 
that she is not allowed in these doors. And he tried to blame it every morning. He tried to blame it on the school board and the school board said it's up to the administrators. It's kind of that circle thing they like to do to Mm. you. But I wanted him to be responsible to her every day, avoiding her being allowed in the school in the school building so well this isn't the only situation then because you have you were telling me also about how um it was during, i think it was during your speech on the capitol steps you were talking about the teachers requiring students to keep their mask up even if they sneezed even if they had to blow their nose and if they took their mask down to blow their nose they were punished yes okay so lots of stories parents and, and students told us a lot of stories throughout this journey of ours, unmasking the kids. And at our high school, it was actually the high school my son attended, the kids were given lunch detention if they took their mask down to blow their nose. Um, We had a nine-year-old girl that took her mask down to blow her nose, and her punishment for doing that was to stand along the wall in front of her entire classroom. And when that um, punishment was over, she then was forced to spend the rest of the day in the special ed classroom. So that was her punishment. Unreal. And yeah, uh, criminal that we would think that our special ed classrooms are a punishment and having a daughter on an IEP and um, I had a son on a 504 and I've had a couple um, traumatic brain injuries. Those kids are definitely not a punishment. And every parent that has a child with a disability should be up in arms. Oh, yeah. I, I think that teacher should be. Um, I, I cannot believe the, the, the lack of foresight, the, 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 I would say the selfishness of these educators and these administrators for having these students do this. This is going to be emotionally imprinted on these kids. This, is, this sounds like something that I would hear out of a, either a dystopian novel or something out of history from Soviet Russia. This is not something that I expect to hear uh, in America, let alone Idaho. Right, right. First grade teachers at one of our elementary schools, um, If and these are first graders, I mean, the young kids. If one kid in the class broke, and I quote, broke her mask rule, and it was the rule that she created, so whatever she deemed against her mask rule, one kid, the entire class lost their lunch recess. And these are first graders that need recess. This is creating a a huge peer pressure. Yes. A huge emotional imprint. Yes. They all had to walk the track, their entire lunch recess, walk the track if the mask rule was broke. Well, as you can imagine, somebody broke the rule every day. They're They're first graders. And every day they lost their lunch recess. And these poor first graders are walking the track as a punishment every single day. And it's warm outside. And they're walking the track with these masks on and they're already struggling breathing. So more kids are breaking her mask rule. And this is a vicious cycle. And then kids are mad at kids. You know, we had a seventh grader tell his friend that he was killing him, that he was going to kill him because his mask dropped below his nose when he went down the slide. Oh my gosh. And so this is, yes, we're scarring kids for life. This, this in, this sounds criminal to me. This really does. This is this is cruel and unusual punishment. You can talk about a first grader who can't keep his or her mask on his face because they're a first grader. Right. And you're going to punish the entire class. What a way to program an entire generation to comply with government edicts. This is what it sounds like to me. You know, call me, give me my tinfoil hat, but this is exactly what, yes. what they would do in Soviet Russia. Right, right. And then the mask mandate is lifted. May 17th, the mask mandate's lifted. We get a 3-2 three, three, vote. 
And the next day, you would hope that the teachers would be adult about this. And most of them were. And please know, we, we do have some very good teachers. And so I'm not trying mm -hmm. to, to right. speak ill of all teachers. Right. But we do have teachers um, segregating kids in classes, the mass versus the unmass. And kids with masks that still want to wear masks saying, I don't want to, I don't want to move. I'm comfortable where I'm at, you know. I'm okay sitting next to somebody who's not wearing a mask. Right, right. And the teacher's still forcing them to move, forcing segregation. And another teacher in one of our middle schools telling the kids that aren't wearing masks that they're going to kill her. So, so you had enough of this. You, you got this NAMPA Parents for Mask-Free Schools together. And you had a large contingent of parents attending these school board meetings. Tell us what happened with that. Yeah, so once we started this Facebook page, the the parents, they just wanted some hope. You know, they weren't, they felt like they were going through this alone. And as soon as they saw this outlet, the numbers just, I mean, hundreds of parents just came out of the woodwork. And so we had parents showing up at every board meeting and the numbers just were, it was it was wonderful and we just had this army of parents and students that wanted to speak and of course our voices were um we really weren't allowed to talk but um we did finally get this vote on the 17th of may and um, we had three board members that came out they couldn't ignore the surveys that the district put out and um, the numbers were overwhelming in our favor to have this um mass optional is what the vote came out to be and it was effective immediately, and from here forward were, was the wording. Well, you had another problem, too, that you were telling me about, and that was when they had to fill out your form online to speak. Right. Uh, this was the Nampa School Board created an online form, as I, as I understand it, and you had to fill out your name and your address, and you were required to put in your name and address and what you were going to talk about in order to speak in front of the school board. And I guess you said they're going to all choose so many people, whatever. But they ended up doxing everybody. They published everybody's addresses, their names and addresses. Tell us what happened with that. Right. So you had to put in that, that information, your name, your address. And if you didn't fill in the address form, you couldn't go further. So um, I, I went ahead and did this. And my daughter filled out the information as well. And she's 12. And just to be clear that they knew she was a minor, I also had her put in her grade and her school, which hindsight was not a good idea because they did put all that information on their website. And then at the board meeting, the board chair informed everybody all of this information was out there. So that was bad. But by that time, that afternoon around two o'clock, somebody tried to break into my house. All of my um, hardware on my door was totally destroyed. The police tried to fix it for me because my husband was out of town and they couldn't even fix it. It was totally destroyed. And I had a lot of unwanted strangers frequenting my house for a few weeks. I had a, a gentleman in my driveway at about 1045 one night. Oh my gosh. I'm um, speaking about the mass and it has, it's, it's not been pleasant. I've had another attempted break in since then. Um, my neighbor saw somebody taking pictures and video of my home. Because you're standing up for your rights. This is, we don't, you know, this is a medical issue, right? And, right. and so you got the, I won't, I'll just call them the Karens, for lack of a better term, or the mask Nazis, whatever. But they're, it's, this is amazing how this has split our society. It's amazing to me. We've no, something else, you know, we've been hearing all about these cases of COVID, right? Our hospitals are not overwhelmed, but they keep up propping this stuff all the time. What kind of numbers have you seen in Nampa? What, what have you seen going on? Well, we actually, I have the um, 
chart that the school district actually gave us. And they showed us, and they actually spoke on this at one of the board meetings, that the worst rates that they saw in Canyon County was for the time period of January 31st through February 13th. And for that time period, that for every 10,000 people, there was less than two people infected. Mm. And if you read those numbers, it's in the in that frame, it says that that is a low risk to the community. Now, mind you, this is the very worst it ever was for Canyon County. And, you know, our listeners may know that I also am the publisher at TrueIdahoNews.com. And one of the things that we published there was was the transcript of Dr. Ryan Cole's presentation at the Capitol back in uh, March, I believe. And he was talking about how students will not transfer. The, 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 the transfer of, of a virus from students to adults is very, very, very rare, extremely rare. It's like minuscule, uh, maybe a couple hundred in the country during right. this entire past year, maybe. And much, much more likely that a teacher would infect a student. And I remember uh, you telling me as we were preparing for the show that one of the teachers in the school there had told the parent that when the masks were taken off uh, and then the students were allowed to not wear a mask, it was optional, that the teacher said that she was still going to wear a mask because she was afraid the students were going to kill her. Right, right. She's telling the kids that. Absolutely. What kind of emotional damage is this causing to our children? This is crazy. So you've been involved then with this NAMPA Parents for Mask-Free Schools. Right. Um, Now that the masks are optional, I think you told me you're changing the name. What what are you going to change it to? We are going to change the name to NAMPA Parents for Freedom and Liberty in Schools. Okay. Yes. And is there any other organizations that people should be aware about? Yes. So we are excited to share that we are going to be joining or bringing a union to um, Idaho. And it did start in Nevada. It's called Power to Parent. It's a parental rights advocacy group that identifies parents and existing parent groups and then trains and mobilizes them to empower parents' voices. It is not the teachers and the teachers' unions that should be deciding the fate of our children. In the classrooms, uh, it's the parents. We've got to get parents back in these curriculum committees. They've got to be deciding what's happening with their kids. So we're currently working with the national team of Power to Parent um, to get their presence here in Idaho. The model was very effective in Nevada. They um, were able to get the schools open early. Uh, If you're interested, you can go check out their website. It's power2parent with the number two.org or p 2p.org. You can sign up for their newsletter. You can also sign up there to join the union. This is a union of parents. Yes. I love it because you have teachers unions who, if you think about the name, are a union of teachers for teachers, not for students. Right. (laughs) So let's have a parent union to have a union of parents for parents. Right. I love it. So we're really excited about it because, you know, when I taught, we used to have a parent on every curriculum committee. And we used to talk to people in the community about the budget and how money was spent, which makes perfect sense since that's where the money comes from. But we no longer do that. And it's time that we bring parents and students back to the table. You're saying that the parents are no longer on the curriculum committees? Well, not in Nampa. They're not. Wow. So I'm going to guess that we're probably following those same patterns everywhere from 
Interesting. Well, this really is a government of, by, and for the people. And, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking with Amy Henry, by the way, um, from Nampa, Idaho. And we're talking about the need for parents to get involved back in their schools. We have abdicated our responsibilities to, quote unquote, the government. We think that the government, and we're told that the government's going to take care of us, just, that we just trust the government and trust the police. And, you know, it's, it's, that's the Second Amendment argument, right? Um, and, and I've had uh, national uh, individuals, people affiliated with national organizations tell me, yeah, the police are, are minutes away when seconds matter. Um, so you have to be careful. Right? That's why he's a Second Amendment advocate. Well, the same, so you have to, can't abdicate your responsibilities to defend yourself or your family, nor should you abdicate the upbringing of your children. Right. And so many teachers say, well, we're educators. We've been trained in how to educate. I you know I can speak to that because when I was in my master's program at a college of education, getting an, an, a master's in training and development, I saw these teachers. I interacted with them every day, people getting their teaching certificates. And I will tell you that they were kind of bemoaning the fact that all they're learning is classroom management. Their, their, their teaching certificate was how to manage a classroom. Mm -hmm. That was it. It wasn't about how to transfer knowledge from one, one student to another. Right. One, one I'm sorry, from one person, to, from the teacher to the student. All right. Well, you got about a minute left. You are in Nampa, you are uh, overseeing, you're part of the leadership for uh, Nampa Parents for Mass Free Schools, which is being renamed to what again? Nampa Parents for Freedom and Liberty in Schools. And uh, so people, you have a Facebook page. How, how would they find you? Well, right now, if they go to the Nampa Parents for Mass Free Schools, they will find us on Facebook. Okay. And they can email me. And then there's going to be a chapter, you say, for this P2P.org? Yes, PowerToParents.org. And NAMP is going to have a, a chapter with that? We will. We'll have a local chapter. Awesome. Absolutely. And can other cities in Idaho form their own chapter? They are. We will be the first chapter in Idaho, and it hasn't been decided yet how they're going to approach that in Idaho, but we will have a presence here, yes. Okay, awesome. Well, Amy, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on The Voice of Conservative Values. You've been an awesome guest, and I encourage parents everywhere to get involved. Uh, this is Daniel Bobinski with The Voice of Conservative Values. I thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to The Voice of Conservative Values. If you'd like to support this broadcast and Conservatives Of in the Treasure Valley, you can do so at conservativesof.com. Freedom can only be maintained by a prayerful, informed, vigilant, and engaged citizenry.